Hello and welcome to the Talking Food with Bid Food podcast. This episode is going to be the first of two episodes over the next few months based all around Christmas. It's all up in the air for what Christmas will look like this year, but it's essential to prepare all you can for such an important time for hospitality. Joining me now as co-host is Vicky Tripp, who is leading our Christmas campaign from Bid Food. Welcome, Vicky. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. And thanks for having me as a uh, Christmas co-host. No problem at all. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about Christmas. As you said, I am uh, Bid Food's Christmas fairy this year. <laughs> so I've been uh, thinking about Christmas since uh, January, I think. So it's been a while, but I'm really excited and it's a good job. I love Christmas. So... Can you give us a little bit of a background for what we're going to be talking about today? Yes, of course. So what we're going to be talking about in this first Christmas podcast with Bid Food is um, essentially how COVID-19 is affecting Christmas planning this year within the food service and hospitality industry. And also what Bid Food has to offer this year to their customers. So all of the tools available uh, to help customers plan and sell their Christmas to consumers. Um, and then also we've got some really exciting guests on this podcast. First of which is Peter Borg-Neal, who is the executive chairman of Oakman Inns and Restaurants. So we'll be asking him all about his business and how it is preparing for Christmas this year, especially with the uh, rule of six that has come into effect. And I think this could really shake up the industry in terms of planning for Christmas. So I'm really excited to see what he has to say. And then we also have Lucy Pedrick as our second guest, who is the head of insight and customer experience here at Bid Food. And she's done some really interesting research around consumers' thoughts for Christmas 2020. So we are really excited to hear about what customers are thinking about eating and drinking out over this festive season. Vicky, thanks for that. We'll be back in a second. First up, we're being joined by Peter Borgneil, who is the Executive Chairman for Oakman Inns and Restaurant. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Hi, Peter. Hi, good morning, all. So, um, how have you found things since hospitality started to reopen again for you? Generally, very good. We've traded extremely well. Um, we opened all of our places on July the 4th, um, so we had a degree of momentum. We'd been quite publicly involved in the campaign to reopen and the various campaigns around, you know, two meter versus one meter um, and proving to the government that um, pubs could have reopened safely. In fact, we um, cooperated with the cabinet office to produce a public information video that went out. So we felt that we were well prepared and that we had um, some publicity and people knew for sure we were opening. So we traded very well immediately. We then had the further boost of the eat out to help out which was a huge success for us um, and then of course the VAT cut effectively puts around eight percent on our sales given our kind of food drink mix so we've been delighted with trading um, we think that of course some of it is temporary in so much as there are a number of places still not open um, and because eat out to help out won't be here next year 
However, even when you strip all that out, we're in underlying growth. We think that points to the fact that we're well positioned having larger pubs with large outside areas um, in the commuter belt rather than the city. Um, so we have, we've enjoyed actually record trading volumes. We have had the busiest 10 week period in our history over the last 10 weeks. So I saw you spoke a little bit about the Eat Out to Help Out scheme. Um, I saw that you've actually extended it throughout your sites as well. So how important has it been for your business? Um, it's made a significant difference. It's probably put in real terms around 10 to 12% on our, on our sales versus where they would have been without um, the benefit of Eat Out to Help Out. So why have we continued to do it ourselves? Well, A, we wanted to maintain momentum. Um, you know, we've won market share, we've won new customers, um, everyone's enjoyed it. But a big factor, um, and, and of course, I, I, I'd like to think that you guys would be very happy to hear this, was when we were umming and ahhing at the last minute, um, sort of five or six days before the government support ended, we started to talk about suppliers. And we did realize during lockdown that we're all in this together in, 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 in real terms, not just in political terms. And our supplies were very good to us, including bid food. People gave us extended credit to help us sort our cash position out, you know, having closed suddenly without warning, um, it, the, the kind of cash flow quickly unwound. So our suppliers supported us. And we thought, well, hang on, we should support the suppliers now because though the argument for profit of extending the eat out to help out at our own cost was a little bit marginal um, or, or the way we perceived it. In fact, it's worked out better than we expected, but we thought it marginal, but we thought this is good for suppliers. So if we're selling more beer to reduce margin because we're, we're giving a proportion of the bill away, it, it, it helps the supply chain, it helps the economy, it brings people out, it helps local shopkeepers. So we feel it's positive. We don't see it as a permanent um, part of our business, but we think it an important tactical tool right now in terms of us retaining market share and keeping our momentum going. But we also think it contributes to the wider economy by getting people out of their homes and, and into, into pubs. I'm going to bring us on to a bit of Christmas talk now. Um, so obviously, we've now got the restriction of six people socialising uh, in and in your in your restaurants and pubs. How are you feeling about the Christmas period in the coming months with obviously this new rule of six, along with, you know, a potential second spike, cases rising? Are you feeling positive about your plans moving into the festive uh, celebration period? And has this new restriction changed your plans at all? We're always positive, <laughs> always want to be positive, but we are feeling very, very uncertain because when, it, when there are things you can't control, when you don't know what the external factors will be. Now, there's a school of thought that this kind of rather arbitrary rule of six is being brought in as a short-term emergency measure um, and that it was as much targeted at the fact that it's kind of freshers week this week and the government were trying to put pressure on young people um, not to over-socialise and not to transmit the virus. 
Um, I mean, I think good luck with that. I think young people will find ways to get together, whether it's in public or not. Um, so will it continue? Now, if it does continue, it's clearly negative from the perspective of the business. Um, you wouldn't be able to have, for example, large office parties because I don't think they'll be classified as a um, as a works do. Our guess is, regardless, we're not going to see a return to large groups. I think it's more likely that um, the bosses will say, "Look, we can't risk this. We, whatever the government stance is, you know, if we put everybody in a kind of." environment where you know they might lose their inhibitions and there'll be a chance of transmission you know i i i believe that the argument would be overcooked but i think people will think that and i think they're more likely to say look everybody just take your department out or you know just take six people out of time take a lunch we'll pay for it they won't want to be kind of unchristmassy but they, they they probably won't go for the party so we expect a change in the trading pattern so we think our sales from kind of office parties group parties groups of teachers will will kind of be either not there or down the bigger hit may well be the fact that i think it's very unlikely that they will allow your normal vertical drinking so the big nights that people get christmas eve new year's eve i don't think they're going to happen so that's all downside so what might the upside be i think that a lot of the parties are often booked um, into busy slots and that time of year you would hope that you might replace them with fours and twos and sixes and if you can they're more flexible um, and maybe more profitable. I think the working from home, the long-term benefits to those of us in the commuter belt um, will be there so people will be coming out for lunch and so that I, what I see is a Christmas where trade will be steadier likely to be a bit down, probably more down on liquor than it will be down on food. Um, but it is really, really quite uncertain. And then there'll be other macro factors that come in. So it snows all December, we'll have a poor Christmas. So there's so much to worry about. And as part of your question, you asked about how we're we planning and has it changed our planning? We don't think it has changed our planning particularly. We're going to produce a menu in the normal way, we're going to market it in the normal way. Um, but we've had to kind of put out the um, booking policy based on today's policy, i.e. no more than six on the table. And that's the, the key impact. Um, beyond that, it, it's kind of pretty much the same. Um, the other thing we have done is we have signed off quite a bit of capital to increase our covered outdoor space whether it be via canvas or glaze pods or whatever so yeah. we're trying to make the places bigger so they're bigger at the moment because we have gardens the gardens um, are cold in the winter qed what are you going to do if you can still have a re only a reduced capacity inside you make the outside bigger so that's what we're doing um and beyond that we're watching we're waiting and we're going to try and be quick and nimble on our feet as um, more information comes through. Absolutely. So for those outdoor spaces, are you thinking of creating kind of that whole Christmassy, warming vibe of a um, kind of like a winter wonderland type feeling for your outdoor spaces? Yes. Um, so if you put up a, a great 
tent or some kind of covered space. Um, you want to make it pretty. And in a way, Christmas just makes it easy. You know, fairy lights, the Christmas decorations, and suddenly a dull tent is a magical space. I think people will really like, really like that feeling of, you know, winter wonderland and Christmas markets, and they head out to those Christmas markets usually. So I guess this year, with the absence potentially of some of those Christmas market spaces, that people may, consumers may be looking to their local you know, pubs and restaurants to provide that space and provide that feeling of cosy winter evenings outside with a nice mulled wine, some kind of blankets to keep them warm and things like that. So hopefully, I think, you know, that should work really well for you. Yeah, we hope so. Um, And as ever, you always have to wait to see how people behave. But I think it's a very, very good bet. And for your menus, have you gone more traditional this year? Or are you still looking at doing something that's a bit more innovative with your menus? No, I think we, we you know, we've always offered, you know, the, the traditional roast turkey as a centre part of what we do. And the rest of the menu would um, evolve in the same way as it always does. What went well last year? What went badly last year? What did people like? What they didn't like? What was operationally right for the staff? Are there changes in the cost price of foods that might drive different decisions? Um, so I think, to be honest, you know, I'd like to come up with something clever, but I think it's been a relatively normal menu development process for Christmas. Are you thinking about doing anything like delivery? I'm thinking in terms of if there's any further lockdowns, but like in terms of like delivery, packed food in, in that period? We're generally... Um, not big fans of the idea because we want to stay focused we don't want to put our kitchen teams under even more pressure during key periods we cook things from fresh so much of what we do doesn't transport well so our our kind of style of pizza which is like a proper um, neapolitan pizza straight out of a wood burning oven um, by the time you put that in a cardboard box and you give it a 10-15 minute ride um, it's almost steamed in the box it's not the same product so our menu's not that suited. We're not sure about it anyway. Now, the one thing we might do is deliver Christmas dinners. And the reason I say that is we will, we think, turn away a lot of people on Christmas Day. Now, on Mother's Day, we were caught with a situation where we had thousands upon thousands of people booked. And the government announced two days earlier that um, we wouldn't be allowed to be open. So we contacted all our bookings and said, look, if we prepare this for you, if we send you some instructions and box everything up, would you like to buy your dinner and, and heat it up at home? And we'll, we'll deliver it to you Sunday morning. And a fair lot of people took it up and it worked well and the quality was quite good. Um, people just had to pop things into ovens and microwaves or whatever. You know, there's a different instruction for each element of the meal. Um, you know, it, it, the gravy was suitable to be heated up in the microwave, but we were, didn't want people sticking the beef into the microwave, etc., etc. So we, we we sent them out, and there, there was quite a high take-up, um, higher than we expected, and very positive feedback. So learning from that, um, it is for some people very challenging to do a Christmas dinner at home. So we are considering the option of, um, you know, delivering to people a kind of ready-made, ready-to-go, um, you know, with a you know, all the elements in, in different packaging for them to regenerate on the day. But 
delivering hot food over Christmas, we're we're not we're not keen on that. But then for people that if there is a lockdown potentially, it's kind of your backup option, I guess, in terms of allowing people to help uh, help them reheat. We might do that anyway for Christmas Day. So it's about Friday and Christmas dinner. If there was a lockdown, we might have to look at the whole delivery thing again. Last time we took the view that it was all a bit uncertain. This time around, now we're better prepared. We now understand the safety elements. We know more about this disease. Um, the, if there was a lockdown, I think it's more likely that we would do some kind of delivery thing. However, it's not near the top of our thinking. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, it's in, it's incredible that you managed to mobilise that kind of delivery service the day before Mother's Day. Um, and it's great that you're being so reactive, but also, I guess, thinking ahead of what could happen. What are your tips, your top tips that you think that you would put forward to people within the hospitality industry um, on how they could respond? Okay, well, first of all, I think with response to the COVID rules, the rules that the government put out, there's two things you shouldn't do. You should not fail to comply. You should comply with them. The other thing you shouldn't do is over comply. You can comply with the regulations without sticking horrible yellow and orange black tape all over your sites and alarming people with big posters. You need to comply in a, in a kind of gentle way, a common sense way, clear information for customers, utilising technology, regular cleaning of all surfaces, maintenance of social distancing. But, you know, let's not have too many people in masks and hamzan suits and, um, you know, sort of alarming information around the place. Keep it hospitable. Yeah, safe, but hospitable. Don't charge off at any extreme. And, you know, for those who, who choose to, to totally ignore and to break the rules and to allow in that famous term mingling to occur you put us all in danger you put the entire economy in danger and you know you you will be letting everybody down so we just have to be sensible and walk that middle ground the balanced ground of making sure that um, our customers and employees are safe um, but also our customers and employees are enjoying it um, and that the whole thing is profitable you touched upon it a little bit, but um, around lockdowns, I assume you have multiple plans based on what you've said to cater for this at the moment. We're doing a number of things. So we are kind of conserving cash. So we've held back on all capital projects other than the outdoor spaces because we think it's sensible to hold a lot of cash at the moment because we don't know what's going to happen. Our prediction is that there won't be another lockdown and we won't need those cash reserves to to survive the winter. Um, but you have to be prepared for that. We are looking at the way we can prove the testing regime. So if um, there is an alleged case in one of our sites, we want to be able to do test all our employees very, very quickly and do it ourselves because the testing regime is a bit of a mess. Um, you often can't get tested for a couple of days, you, um, and then it can take longer for it to come back or, or you're expected to drive a long way to get it. So we are putting in our own testing facility um, so that we can immediately go to a site where there's any form of suspicion um, and test our employees. We're looking at the possibility of doing 
antigen testing so we can find out which of our employees have had COVID in the past and therefore are expected. And I say expected, not definite, because, uh, you know, medical science isn't sure on this yet, but we would expect that they would therefore be immune to the virus going forward and we wouldn't need to test them regularly or worry about them regularly. Um, we have, haven't had any instance that we are aware of someone actually contracting COVID in one of our sites, but we are prepared to take action if that was to happen. We've had a couple of cases of employees catching COVID elsewhere, um, and our measures were very successful in terms of isolating them, testing them, getting their employees, their colleagues um, tested, checking if they'd had any customer contact, um, and that's all been very effective. So, so we'll, we'll have all that. We will be able to respond to any localized outbreaks by making sure that our sites um, have, have their own approach and system that goes actually over and above the government guideline. And then we are, we're hoping that if there are localized lock lockdowns, they might even go further and say, we're only going to lock down specific postcodes, you know, specific very small areas. Um, if, if there's an outbreak in one pub, there's no need in my view to, to, to lock down every other pub in the area. It should be very specific. I mean, I think in Sweden, if they catch someone not obeying their social distancing, distancing, they close that pub for three days. It has to be deep cleaned and um, or cafe or restaurant. And everyone has to undergo retraining and a reappraisal of their measures. That's great common sense. Uh, you know, very, very f focused and targeted reaction. But whatever the government do, we'll, we'll want to be ready for it. I have one last question for you. Do you think that the industry will need more support over the festive and Christmas period? So something similar to the eat out to help out scheme? I don't think it necessarily relates to the Christmas period because it's Christmas. I think what it relates to are the months ahead of us. There's a clearly significant event at the end of October when furlough ends. So for those businesses who aren't open, um, it's going to be a very worrying time. Now, my sympathies lie with those who can't open. So the nightclub industry um, will need specific help. If they are not going to be allowed to operate, it would seem to me clear that there's no evidence that they are not a viable business, but they, they just quite simply can't operate because they're closed. And a plan, a very specific plan, will be needed that subsector for those who can't open. You then get the businesses who um, haven't opened because they don't believe they'll do well enough. And my fear is that they won't get any help. And I'm not convinced they should be given help because in the end, they'll have to be market forces and it's brutal and it's upsetting. Um, and, you know, I've got lots and lots of friends who would be hit by such a policy. But I suspect that when, where a business is legally allowed to open, um, but has chosen not to open, the support will dry up for them. You then get the businesses who um, are open or will open, but have a huge problem with a backlog of rent. Um, and that's probably the most controversial issue of all. 
And my gut feel is the government won't intervene strongly. The government you know, has given us a business rates holiday for this particular tax year. That makes up about a third of the occupancy cost of a leasehold premises. So you know, by definition, business rates are meant to be roughly two times rent. So then what they might do is say, we'll extend that, we'll extend that for another year, which gives you further support. Now, that would be my favorite. Um, option, but of course, some might say, "Well, that's a bit selfish because you're you guys are in a good position to be open and operate. It doesn't help someone in Canary Wharf." Um, and they're probably right, but I just don't think the government will do it. So it's not that I don't want the government to do it; I just don't think they will. So everybody needs to work together on this and be realistic. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of togetherness, kind of band the hospitality industry and everyone involved kind of banding together to, you know, ultimately make us thrive again. Yeah. And to be clear, many landlords have been absolutely fantastic. Um, many of my landlords have been brilliant. Um, so you tend to see in the headlines the worst cases, but it also should be noted that many, many landlords have helped. And of course, it probably for balance should be noted that in some cases when landlords aren't helping, it's because the tenant has behaved badly in the past. And, you know, so you have to be a bit balanced about it. But there are, of course, cases I've heard of, of good businesses being treated very badly by an unrealistic landlord. That clearly is happening. But it really is quite a, a broad church of situations out there. Thank you. And um, Merry Christmas. Is it too early to say that? <laughs> I think we need to check with Mr. Hancock whether we can have Christmas before we get too excited. But uh, but if, if we're allowed to have one, Merry Christmas to you guys. Good to talk to you. Next joining us is Lucy Pedrick, who heads up insights and customer experience for Bid Food. Welcome back, Lucy. You're becoming quite a regular on the podcast. Thanks, Joe. Glad to be back. Hi, Lucy. Vicky here. Um, so you've conducted some research to find out more about consumers and Christmas. So tell us, what did you find out? Well, what we discovered was that consumers are proceeding with caution as far as Christmas is concerned. We wanted to try and find out from our customers' customers what their thoughts were and their planning intentions were in the lead up to Christmas and how far ahead they were in planning for all of that. But it looks like not many have really given it much thought. Christmas seems to be very much off the radar at the moment. What do you think? Are consumers not really using the festive season as something to look forward to? Well, if you think about everything that's happened, the lasting impact of COVID, the threat of a second peak, local lockdowns, and the recent rule of six, add to that also the reduction in household income, you can imagine that the festive season isn't really being given much thought. We know that Christmas is that constant in the calendar and also critical trading time for operators, but no one really wants to firm up any plans until they know what the future holds. It is quite likely that things could change. At the moment, we don't really know the impact of furlough ending, so many households are probably yet to see even further reduction income. So the planning is really off the table at the minute. So Christmas could be a bit of a smaller scale this year. So what would you say are the signs of that? Well, about half of the respondents that we spoke to it indicated that Christmas and New Year would probably be um, the same as previous years. Um, and they might have already been smaller scale events anyway. 
and they'll probably just do the same as they have usually done. But almost a third said that they will have Christmas and New Year as a much smaller scale activity. They'll probably reduce who they're mixing and socialising with. So we've all got smaller social groups now, but they're also going to cut down on what they're spending. But I think on a positive note, we have seen that one in five are suggesting they're going to big up the festivities. So for some of them, they've used lockdown to evaluate where they are in life and looking at how they can make the most of Christmas and New Year, using it as an excuse to celebrate the end of what's been a very challenging year and perhaps to take time to appreciate what they have achieved and where they are at the moment. So it feels like um, most plans are going to be around celebrating at home. What does this mean for eating out? Both Christmas and New Year are obviously usually huge times of year for hospitality in in terms of eating and drinking out. Yeah, I think there'll be some variations here as well. So um, one of the first things is those that are spending less this season will be doing a lot less eating and drinking out. Um, Also, if you think about all the events that happen in the run up to Christmas, like pantomimes, shows, switching on of Christmas lights, Some of those probably won't be happening. In fact, most of them probably won't be happening. So some of the spend will be reduced quite naturally anyway. And I think what we've seen with the eating out to help out scheme is that people have been really encouraged to eat out. So for some of them where there is capacity to do that and they feel confident about eating out, there will be some of that activity continuing. But I think there will be a lot of people thinking work dues won't be happening. If they are, they're perhaps not necessary to attend. So people will be making compromises on where they do and don't go out. And some of them will, re- will be really thinking about how to avoid putting themselves at risk where they don't have to. I guess with this rule of six, everyone's going to have to take that into consideration even more so now with the smaller socialising. So maybe, you know, we're definitely not doing the big office parties but maybe some people will be thinking about um, socializing in their teams if they are smaller than six and, and maybe that could help with within the uh, hospitality industry yeah or how people can spread it out throughout the month of december or with smaller gatherings etc yeah i think what we'll see is that people will have more groups but of uh, but of smaller numbers of people so they might have more frequent opportunities to socialize but the groups will be smaller so rather than one large group on one big night out people will be keeping the numbers small um, and mixing with different groups at different times so that has the potential to create to create separate eating out or drinking out occasions either in home or out of home Um, And operators can benefit from that by either spreading the capacity of these groups across the day. So rather than trying to get everyone in at the peak times of eating, look at other ways to have offers that encourage people to come in from breakfast right the way through to later in the evening. Um, Or have opportunities to create things for people to have at home to enjoy some of the quality of eating out in their home instead for those that would rather not be Um, on site at particular venues. So there is the opportunity to have smaller catch-ups more frequently rather than one big sort of blowout with lots of people. Yeah, so I mean, I guess a work Christmas brunch sounds actually really nice. I like that idea. And then obviously, obviously Christmas hampers as well, definitely something that people could do. 
Absolutely. And if operators have the capacity to do these sorts of things, they could actually come up with them some quite innovative and appealing offers. So if you imagine, like with the brunch, you could do that with extended family where that might you know, fall outside of your immediate family of four, for example, you could add another two people to that and enjoy mm. Christmas with a twist at, at brunch. So maybe eggs with your sausages wrapped in bacon and perhaps a gingerbread latte or something right the way through to an afternoon tea where you can have turkey and cranberry sandwiches and a mince pie um, and a nice Christmas fun tea. But, you know, that's another way to still have an, a, an adequate number of footfall into your outlet, but without going over capacity at the peak times. Absolutely. And I guess if we are in a position over the festive period where um, there is restrictions on times where operators have to close, um, then I guess utilizing that kind of breakfast brunch time where you can be open is a great way of maximizing your income. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, as I said, it's a really critical trading time for the operators. Um, And I think it will be reassuring for consumers to know that they can still eat out, but they don't have to go with the crowd. So some of those offers could really appeal as being something different and innovative at at the same time. So there are benefits in looking at that. Absolutely. We've seen that the Eat Out to Help Out scheme has also been really successful during August. How do you think this is going to impact people or encouraging people to go out and continue to eating out and drinking out? I think the scheme has done more than they thought it would. So initially it was to bring back some of the trade to the outlets who had struggled um, and having to shut down during the lockdown period. I think the other thing it did was help consumers be put at rest in terms of what what the measures would be in place in these venues so it created some levels of confidence for people who probably thought they wouldn't eat out immediately after lockdown but the incentive helped them to to get out of the house and go and try it it really had an impact i think in the older age groups as well and they were the ones i think people most concerned about leaving the house and going out to these venues but actually did bring out quite a lot of the older age groups who were the most reluctant And I think what it's done is allow people to actually see the measures in place. So they will have heard about them in the headlines and probably seen images of what it looked like. But the reality of the incentive meant that the consumer could go out and see what those measures were, how it worked, how things would be spaced out to allow them to eat comfortably, the level of sanitizer that was available and just how operators had put these measures in place. So it did have that level of reassurance for the the consumers. And for operators who have continued to offer the, uh, the scheme or something similar to it, that's obviously had a level of encouragement as well. So consumers are still using that as an opportunity to eat out and take advantage of a reduced bill at the end of that eating out occasion. For the future, I know there are sort of pleas to have the scheme in place at another time of the year or to have extended it from just August. But it might be that it's reviewed and perhaps people think about how they use something similar to encourage people out again once perhaps the rules of restriction have changed again. And so when we are eating out, we consumers, what are we looking for in the run up to the festive season and Christmas? Well, unusually um, at this time of year, it wouldn't be about safe eating, but obviously all of the headlines, the news, all the articles is all about safe eating. So that's first and foremost. Back of house issues are now front of mind. So our priorities have changed. 
And it is all about seeing seating areas spaced out, plenty of sanitizer, less people in the venue, but also seeing staff wearing the required PPE. In terms of food for Christmas, it is all about the Christmas favourites, so that hasn't changed. The consumers still want that Christmas meal, the traditional Christmas meal with all the trimmings. Um, and obviously within Bidford, we've worked hard to make sure our, our range can meet those expectations. The customers aren't really looking for anything complicated. I think they think the year's been complicated enough already. So they just want to have Christmas as that stake in the sand that offers a bit of normality. Yeah, absolutely. So if consumers aren't going out as much, what can operators do to encourage them to indulge in good quality dining, either at home or at least try and increase their footfall a little bit more? Well, we asked some of the consumers in the research about a few alternative options to eating out. Um, We've talked about the fact they found um, eating out at different day parts quite interesting. So if operators can be creative in their menus and have a brunch or an afternoon tea that fits with Christmas, um, they could also offer something in the form of deliveries and takeaways. We know that that was popular during lockdown. It's one of the areas that they're considering spending less on for Christmas. So that's still quite a a big level of spend for them. It's just the eating out that they talked about doing less of in the run up to Christmas. But they're still quite keen on having deliveries and takeaways. And they've in fact grown quite accustomed to that format over the last few months. So they'd happily consider something like a Christmas hamper or a picnic. Um, or even a Christmas-themed takeout menu, um, and something for New Year that could be quite creative in terms of pairing meals with champagne or Prosecco, and even cocktail kits where people could take them at home. You know, some operators are looking at how they can have online access to the creation of cocktails once you've had your kits delivered to you. So there are ways around allowing consumers at home to celebrate the festive season as well. So to finish off, when do we expect consumers to start thinking about Christmas and New Year? Well, we did the research in early August, and that was just when the Eat Out to Help Out scheme was kicking off. And at that time, it was suggested they were going to be looking at Christmas plans soon, um, and certainly considering Christmas before New Year. We've seen that retail are already stocking some Christmas products, so I think this will help to prompt their planning. So before you leave us, Lucy, I'm going to ask you probably the hardest question, which is, what are you planning to do for this Christmas? We're going to have a small Christmas. We normally have it with friends, but that would take us over the six. So I think we're going to start planning. We have to accept that it will probably just be a family Christmas. To be honest, I think there will be some households that will be glad they have to keep the numbers small. (laughs) very true so thank you very much for joining us lucy that was really great really interesting insights to go through you're welcome so to summarize vicky um i think there was loads in there that we could talk through really interesting points personally i thought it was it was really interesting to hear from peter from open ins to talk about how they're changing and plans Um, how they're using outdoor space to make themselves feel bigger and to get people together, but to really add like a sort of family Christmas feel to things. And also the Christmas dinners um, that they're they're, they're looking to potentially provide people um, in a delivery service when they're overbooked, which is a really interesting way of getting money through the tills, really. Um, What what else did you think was really interesting? The main takeaway from this is, plan for change 
you can make plans now, but you know, you do at the back of your mind need to think about, you know, potential changes to the guidance from the government and what that's going to do to your Christmas offering. I think, you know, from what Lucy has said, everyone is wanting to stay safe. So that's another big takeaway is making sure that you are providing all of those, that feeling of safety within your, within your business for customers and for consumers. But also from what Peter said, you know, not scaring people. So trying to find that balance between complying and providing those safety measures that people want to see, but also not turning your business into something that looks like a lab, I guess. Lucy did allude to takeaway as well. So I think, you know, for some businesses, a takeaway proposition is definitely going to work well for them. Um, especially if they've already kind of mobilised that over the lockdown period. Welcome back. So it's time for me to grill Vicky about all that we're doing at Bid Food for Christmas. So yeah, I guess the first question is, what do we have available, Vicky? So even though Christmas planning for Bid Food got halted, uh, kind of in the middle of lockdown this year, uh, when we came back, we came back raring and ready to go and we still wanted to provide our customers with as many tools available to help them plan their Christmas this year because I know we know it's going to be really, really tricky for them. So we want to be as helpful as we possibly can. So we have a fantastic library of tools um, and starting with, I guess, innovation. We have launched 50 amazing new products because there are a few things and there are going to be people I think within the hospitality industry and the food service industry that are going to want to see something new something that excites them something that excites their customers on their menus but beyond new products uh, we've obviously got our main Christmas brochure which is available on, on our website for customers to download um, as well as our Christmas deals brochure We also have our turkey and meat guide, which is really popular. And so that's returning this year. And that goes into more detail regarding the different fresh and frozen meat products we have available from Bid Food. Uh, Talking about the lead times, some uh, delicious wine recommendations and pairings as well within there, along with more detail on the cooking times and things like that. Um, We also have a Christmas menu design service, which customers just need to speak to their sales rep to organize and look into. And we have a wealth of information on uh, our bidfood.co.uk website. So if you want to go and check out what we're update, what we're putting on there, it's bidfood.co.uk forward slash Christmas. And we are going to be constantly updating our Christmas pages. And also our Christmas hacks videos are back, including some recipes on using your kind of leftover Christmas stock. So for example, our amazing turkey toasty and our chef Martin has made it for the video. And honestly, it was one of the best sandwiches I have ever tasted in my life. It was delicious. So, and everyone loves a festive sandwich, don't they? We've also been working on these sector specific toolkits, haven't we? Yes. So um, our 12 tips of Christmas guide for the hospitality industry is launching. Uh, We are very excited about. So 
with fewer Christmas parties and meals and events scheduled, Christmas in hospitality, like we have previously said, is really going to be a challenge. We've been speaking to consumers about their plans for Christmas, and that has really helped us build this um, hospitality guide. And so what's included in this is a kind of 12 top tips to help plan Christmas, lots of menu simplification support, different menu formats and occasions, um, ideas for using space differently, whether that's indoors or outdoors, uh, fun customer experience ideas and tips on how to market your offer and secure Christmas bookings. And again, you'll find all of this information on our website. That's great. So thank you very much for joining me today and being my co-host, Vicky. It's been, it's been great. Oh, you're really welcome. I've really enjoyed it. Not bad for a first time, hey? Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. As always, please do subscribe and rate this podcast series so that we can share this to more people across the industry. There's only one other thing that I'd like to say for this episode, and that is we hope you have a safe and prosperous festive and Christmas period. 